Sin acknowledges and pays respect to the owners of the land, the House of Sin and Studios stand, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nations. Sin also acknowledges and pays respects to their elders and the traditional owners of the land our content reaches, as well as the radio stations we broadcast from across the country. Sovereignty was never ceded. You're listening to the Naughty Rude Show podcast, Sin's place for all things sex, health, relationships and identity. So, so, so scandalous. Hi, what's up? We're back again for another week. I'm Joseph. I'm gay, who identifies with the pronouns he, him. Yeah, welcome back to the Naughty Rude Show. I'm Jay. Um, I'm 23 years old, and my pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I identify as bisexual. I'm Carlin, uh, male identifying. I'm 23 years old. I'm in a relationship with a wonderful woman. It's our one-year anniversary today, so shout out to you, Jasmine, you beautiful sex freak. I love you very much. (gasps) That's so sweet So sweet So So today on the show We've got coming up uh, Sex on premises venues My specialty And uh, cruising in queer spaces And we've also got bisexual visibility Because it's been bisexual visibility week All week this week So exciting But first up we've got a segment um, With an interview with Grant Busey On his fringe show The Birds and the Beats A crossover episode with Art Smitten So that'll be really exciting Beautiful. Throw into a song. What song are we playing? Split Stones by Maggie Rogers. Hello, you're back with the Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation. Woo! You just heard Split Stones by the wonderful Maggie Rogers, and that was Boy Will Be Boys by Stella Donnelly. So, first up today, we've got an awesome little chat from a past presenter from the Naughty Rude Show, Julia, and Christian from Art Smitten, and they're chatting to a musician and school teacher, Grant Bousset, who had a really cool show on in the Melbourne Fringe Festival this week, um, The Birds and the Beats, which is really relevant to our chat about cruising and beats and queer spaces, so hope you enjoy it. Hello, you're listening to um, Art Smitten and the Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation with myself, Christian, and Julia. Hello. Today. And we're also very happy to be joined on the phone right now by uh, Grant Bouzet, who's here to talk to us about his uh, Melbourne Fringe Festival show, The Birds and the Beats. Um, thanks so much for joining us today, Grant. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, so could you just generally tell us um, a bit about what the show is all about and uh, how it started and how it got to where it's at um, now, coming to Melbourne? Yeah, sure. Um, basically, the show is... Um, I've been using the kind of phrase, sing-along sex ed for adults. So <laughs> looking at all the kind of things that we wish we were taught about in sex ed, but never quite got that hole in our knowledge filled. And, uh, and what I'm trying to do is fill the audience's holes. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Very cheeky. Oh, yeah, I, <laughs> I try. Um, but, yeah, the show kind of um, started, um, I, it was actually out of the end of a breakup and I um, I was thinking oh you know wouldn't it have been nice to have been taught about all these other the kind of emotional side of of, of sex and then I started writing the show and then a few more things informed it and then I also work at a school in the day at a special needs school and they asked me this year to teach sex ed and I thought oh wow this is life imitating art and mm. through all those kind of experiences, the show was, was, was formed and, and, yeah, excited to put it on for Melbourne Fringe. Terrific. So do you have a background in music and performance, Greg? Yeah, yeah. I, um, I did uh, a lot of musical theatre um, when I got out of um, school and in, in university and stuff like that. And then it kind of 
my whole career kind of shifted a bit when I did this um, open mic night at a burlesque bar, and I just did a, a silly, fun song that I created, and I realized that, you know, I could um, make some money, money out of this, and I started really enjoying writing my own music and writing funny comedy songs and picked up the guitar, and it just kind of snowballed from there, and then I started developing one-hour shows and working with other people and developing shows with them, and so, yeah, it's, musical comedy has kind of come out of, like, a, um, a background in theater, music, singing, and also a little bit of music, um, just like straight, straight music on the side as well. Mm. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned comedy because when we think of sex education, we think of quite an awkward sit-down with our primary school teachers and they have to go through the birds and the bees. Yeah. Do you find that comedy sort of makes it a bit more accessible or it makes it a bit more light-hearted definitely definitely. a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down (laughs) um (laughs) it's 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 i think this is where we've gone wrong in the past is we've taught sex in a very cold and anatomical scientific manner and you know sex is fun and it should be kind of taught that way you know it's um and i think that really alleviates a lot of the pressure and the awkwardness that a lot of the kids experience um, and it's not just on the kids' side too. Like the teachers and the parents don't want to, don't want to teach it. They they they're awkward about it, about it. So I think if you come into it with a real open mind and a welcoming, fun attitude, it just makes it so much easier to communicate both ways from teacher to student and as well. Yeah, great. And I guess it's also you know like relatively historically speaking, it's a fairly new subject you know to be taught at schools compared to. Obviously, what math, science, Latin, something like that. Yeah, um, it's, yeah. yeah it's it's only sort of um, been taught for yeah, like a few decades, um, and maybe in, you know even Melbourne specifically, not exactly yeah. like a long-held fixture of schooling. So yeah, I guess it's something a lot of teachers are still um, wrapping their heads around. Yeah, and, and yeah. what tends to happen is it does get lumped into the the science class category or health and physical education kind of category, whereas it, it is really. Um, it's a, it's a social issue, and I think it should be kind of discussed that way. And, yes, the, the science part and the baby-making part of it is, is a huge part of it and very important, but I think, I think we can do better at um, teaching some of those other kind of issues like the emotions that go into it, the, the feelings of rejection. Um, consent is a massive one that needs to be taught much better um, and stuff like that. I think that's where I think it really needs to go in the future in terms of sex ed instead of just being very in the, the science kind of side of things. Mm, yeah. Definitely. And I guess when I mean, we're, talk- we're sort of talking about schools in general now, but um, special schools in particular, uh, do you think there's mm. sorts of, well, you were talking about holes before, like gaps and things that you know really haven't been done so well um, uh, that are in-, in particular in special schools compared to um, other schools? I, I, I personally think special schools do it better <laughs> um, because uh, I, I work with like, kids with autism um, and they have a challenging time picking up social cues. So the big focus of our program is stuff like consent and appropriate behavior in different situations and different people. And I think it gives a really good foundation that, I mean, my sex education never really received. So I went to an all-boys Catholic school and... and, mm-hmm. and nine years I was there, not once were we taught no means no. 
you know, like I got that education from my mum and my older sister, but I think, you know, we, we, we're taught all about the body parts all, and um, the inner mechanics and anatomy of it all, but not really taught of how, how, does, how does that apply in, a, in the real world, in a social setting, and how do my actions affect other people? Yeah. Absolutely. You write your original songs as well, such as, you know, yes. I see here, yeah. Discovery Channel, I'm Bringing Sexy Sack. Tell us yeah. a little bit about that. Where does the inspiration come from? Um, oh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff comes off to me being a silly kind of person. <laughs> um, <laughs> but look, look, with this show, all the songs have, have a purpose kind of thing. It's, it's to drive the kind of what hasn't been taught, what needs to be taught, and what's like what's in the future, what can we see? Um, so while they are silly and, and, um, and cheeky in nature, there is a lot of um, undertones and almost subtle hidden things in there to get, a, get that message across. So it's not just like me singing a few ditties um, <laughs> to entertain the masses. It's, 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 I've put a lot of um, effort into kind of like crafting a show that like has a, has a flow and it's, it works almost like a narrative in terms of the music and comes all full circle as well. Yeah. Without wanting to scare anybody away, is there much audience yeah. interaction in this show? <laughs> oh, well, look, I, I say you can join in as much as you want or as little. The one thing's for sure that you'll, you'll definitely find out some embarrassing things about me. Um, <laughs> but the way I've kind of um, doing it, and the show has a lot of like consent themes. I'm not going to make anyone do anything that they're uncomfortable with yeah. so um it's a very welcoming supportive environment so what tends to happen is people really open up and and i have like so many stories from when i've like tested the show and done and done it at other festivals it's it's really quite refreshing to see people just open up and talk about it so openly um but you know like sometimes you know the audience doesn't want to get involved and that's that's fine too just sit back and enjoy yeah so uh, it's, it is there is audience interaction to be had if you want but you know I'll, I'll i won't i won't hold it against you grant we see that you're also a puppeteer will we see any puppets making an appearance at your shows um there is one i'm not going to give it away uh. <laughs> um uh it's uh yeah it's a it, it, it's a fun one. Come, come through the show. I'm not going to give that one um, away, but um, yeah, I love, I love puppets. They always can get the message across better than than humans. I think. <laughs> love it. Why do you think that is? Uh, I mean, I've, I've heard a few different, you know, like explanations of this from uh, puppeteers, but um, yeah, I'm curious to hear your one. I think it comes back to that that comedy element. Is a lot of the times, you know, spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. They can talk about really like deep and meaningful things. And you're looking at a puppet, and you can't can't almost believe that they can show that amount of emotion and convey something that you wouldn't necessarily <laughs> have seeked to learn. So yeah, puppets can be really powerful tools. Mm. You talked about, I guess, touring the show and experimenting with different audiences and how they're receiving your show. How do you imagine that Melbourne's going to uh, react to your show? How do you oh, imagine the reception Melbourne, will be? Melbourne's great. Traditionally, it's a very open audience kind yeah. of thing. Um, very progressive kind of audience. So I'm excited to see what happens, and it will be <laughs> it will be fun. But even like even if, if, if even if one of the crowds isn't like that, 
that's fun too because they might be the reserves people that didn't really get that education and, yeah. and it's really good really good for them to hear some of those things and be like oh wow so is, there's either the audiences that are joining in or there's the audiences that are taking notes <laughs> I like I like both. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you know, or, or doing both as well, like sharing and also and also learning. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Terrific. So, what what uh, effect do you think that the show will have on you? What what do you see are the next steps, and how do you think the show will influence your career? It already it already is. Um, I mean, I'm I'm getting booked for um as like a guest speaker on sexuality workshops wow. and seminars and stuff. Congrats. Um, Thank you. Um, it's been really an amazing journey, and what I foresee in the future for the show is to create a like a touring kind of model where I go and I can teach. If I tour it regionally, I can teach it to teach sex ed to the the youth of the community, and then have a comedy show at night to teach the adults um, yeah. uh, and teach the adults all about that and then it can kind of like open up a dialogue within the community that it tours to between parents and and kids and make it make it a little bit more accessible and easy and easy to talk about like it's not that awkward sitting at the end of the bed kind of trying to have a conversation about sex anymore it's just yeah that's that's where i see it going is just opening up the channels of communication because that's really what sex is all about is just communication absolutely Mm. Was there anything else that you wanted to share with us, Grant? Not really. Come see the show. That would be a good one. Um. (laughs) We can't wait. It should be awesome. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for talking to us, Grant. Um, You can catch The Birds of the Beats, and it's 19th to 24th of September, so this week. It's at the Wonderland Spiegeltown. Spiegeltown. So it's in Docklands. Awesome. Thank you so much, Grant. Uh, You can head to grantbusay.com for more info. And it's showing at 6.45 p.m. We can't wait. We're going to be there tomorrow. should be awesome. Oh, lovely. (laughs) Please feel free to join in as much as you want. (laughs) True. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Sing along. Oh, yes. <laughs> we'll prep our yeah, there's, there's a singing there's a sing along element too. Excellent. We'll prep our singing voices. <laughs> oh cool. Well, thank yeah, you so warm much. Up, warm up. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Grant. See you tomorrow. Thank night. you so much for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. All right, and you're back with the Naughty Rich Show. That was a lovely interview with uh, Mr. Busey on his uh, fantastic fringe show that unfortunately is over now, but that's fine. Um, it was a cool interview. Um we're going to throw to an Alex Leahy track now. Um, I haven't been taking care of myself. Well, neither have I. Uh, you're back here with the Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation. My name is Jay. I'm here with Carlin and Joseph, and we're answering a few of your anonymous Tumblr questions that have been sent into the show. If you'd like to send us a question, please uh, go to thenaughtyrudeshow.tumblr.com ask, and you can ask your questions anonymously, and we will answer them live on air. All right, let's jump straight into it. You got them? I've got them. And there's some really good ones this week. We got absolutely swamped with questions, so thank you so much to everyone that sent them in. That's amazing. Let's start with this one. I think my friend may be in love with my partner, but I can't be sure. How do I have this conversation with my friend, if at all? Ooh. I... I think I had friends a while ago that were in a very similar predicament to this, and... I, in a weird way, I don't know how that panned out. 
<gasps> I sort of detached myself from them because I was like, I don't want this drama. <laughs> it's really intense because they're all it, sort it of like... It is an intense situation. Wicked love triangle stuff going on. Yeah. And like like four or five year long relationship and then it's like oh but this friend is like in love with my partner and I don't know what to do how do they solve this in movies um Ooh, oh my the gosh. model for great relationships worldwide exactly I saw a, I saw this great article that sort of look this is kind of diverting from discussion very slightly it was like this whole thing like movie relationships how these movie relationships could have been solved with polyamory yeah uh, that that was my answer just date them both yeah. yeah. Why not? If it, if it's no, we should if, try and give a serious it, answer. That's <laughs> not, not a serious answer. That's know, a very real yeah. choice. But I doubt you would have said this question in had mm. you been like, oh yeah, I just love them both. It's fine. It's not that easy. Yeah. No, I can't. Mm. You love who you love. Um, hmm. If I was in this position, in my age-old wisdom of twenty-one, what I would do would be I would chat to the partner first, my partner taking that I'm the person that asks the question, I would yep. chat to the partner first and be like, hey, what are your thoughts? Do you pick up the same vibe that I'm getting from this said friend? And then if they were like, nah, nothing at all, then maybe I'd reassess. Otherwise, you could always just talk to the person. That's very true. Or do you think that's too problematic? Uh, no. I, I think if you can't have those open lines of communications with friends in that sort of situation, yeah. then it's... That's going to lead to some situations. Like exactly. if you, ha- yeah, if you have the conversation and it turns into a confrontation, it's a problem. Yeah, maybe like that's a possibility. But if you don't have the conversation, then it's definitely going to be a problem. You know, like you're just going to have these feelings and you're just going to have to sit with them and not know if they're valid or legitimate or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah, talk it out. I mean, it's a catch twenty two kind of. You kind of throwing something away by doing this but at the same time it's like you could uh, but what if you'd say to the person you're like do you have feelings for this person like no why did you think this and then it turns into a whole thing yeah I think you have a bit of tact you can't just storm up to them and be like you're in love with my partner (laughs) stop it (laughs) I just have trouble seeing how something like this is not going to turn into a whole thing eventually anyway so you might as well give it your best shot at having everything out in the clear yeah, yeah, very early. Yeah, otherwise mm. it's going to morph and like spill out somewhere else in the relationship. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Also, on another topic, what does catch twenty two mean? Catch. Uh, it's like yeah, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Oh, okay. Between cool. a rock and a hard place. Sort Thank of you for clarifying that. Oh, that's Carla. right. And our listeners. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Just so much. Expand your vocabulary. All right. Let's jump to the next one. I have a massive problem with people, especially my partner, seeing me naked. Mm. What do I do? Oh. So, I, wow. No, you where can't. does it stem from? That's what I... Maybe try and mm. boil it down. Where do you think that... Psychoanalyze yourself. Yeah, psychoanalyze yourself. Sit down with yourself and be like... Maybe sit down with yourself naked and be yeah. like... Why do I have a problem with people seeing me naked? Exactly. Try and work it out for yourself a little bit. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, I think everyone gets self-conscious sometimes. Yeah, that's totally normal. And... Like, I've struggled with, like, different things in the past where I've not liked most of my body yeah, most of the time. And yeah, sure. I think, you know, it's pretty, it's, it's pretty understandable for me. It's pretty normal to not want anyone to see you if you feel vulnerable. And, like, when you are naked and it's, like, maybe just spending more time with yourself, like, in the mirror or wherever you have access to, 
Um, I know a lot of people who have kind of been through that stuff who take a lot of nude selfies. Mm. I know it's kind of weird, mm. counter. Like it sounds like um, the opposite of of what you would want to be doing, but it's almost like an exposure thing where it's like yeah, if you keep feeling like you look good naked by taking photos of yourself, then you can kind of like move past any sort of discomfort you might have with your body. Yeah, exactly, and that's like a whole. That's what photography therapy is. Is when you photography therapy is a thing. Yeah, it's a thing where like you take photos. Well, like, there's phototherapists where they take photos of you so you can kind of get... N- you can, like, normalise the way your body looks. Mm. Not out of your own eyes, if that makes sense. Sure, yeah, it's like a perspective yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah, it's a perspective definitely. thing, and it's a really powerful tool. That's why I think taking super hot pics of yourself <laughs> yeah. for you or for anyone else you want to consensually send to is totally cool, and maybe that's a good way to experiment. Um, on the other flip side, do you guys... I'm always so aware if I'm hooking up with someone and they're self-conscious of themselves being naked and I always feel like the need to be like hey it's totally cool we Mm. both are ashamed of our bodies a little bit let's just lose ourselves in the moment I did see that at the top of ice I read some slightly clickbaity not quite as unvalid as clickbait article that was I think the top thing that was like problems people have in bed problems whatever (laughs) (laughs) problems that people have in bed Problems, yeah. And it was like, the fir- the top one was like, getting annoyed with whoever you're having sex with, feeling really self-conscious, and you're like, it's fine. Like, yeah. yeah it's okay, I, I don't worry about it. And I'm still not really like a sex with the lights on person, are you? <gasps> yes. Yeah? 100% are yes, you? I'm so I comfortable. Am. Like, I do love a little bit of mood lighting, but I don't mind having it in like the harsh light of day. Yeah, I don't need like... I don't need like complete pitch darkness, but like really low light is like my jam. I'm I'm not gonna do it's so just hot. your bedroom I light. Love warm lighting. I have a whole <gasps> bunch of fairy lights and stuff up in my room. I just <gasps> love for that reason. For love this being purpose. able to stare someone right in the eyes. That's why. Just <laughs> honestly, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. If you love God. them, that makes sense. But I mean, even if you don't. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> All right. Um, did we help? I think we summed that one up pretty okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's jump to number three. Yeah. When does having a crush on a fictional character become problematic? Never. Go for it. Buy I a didn't body know this pillow. was a thing. Yeah, uh, yeah no, wife like it up. Like anime mm. thing, I feel. There's a lot it's, of... It's a lot really? of different things. Yeah. You're joking. No, fan fiction, like fandom stuff. Like people can... People get really sexually and romantically involved with fiction. Yeah, well, yeah. there's that whole objectophilia thing where people get like romantically entangled with objects. Yeah. And if like that's a that's real like thing, a then people separate... can... Yeah, uh, no, it's definitely a separate thing. But I mean, like if people get entangled with this and people can get entangled with anything it's not uncommon if people can get romantically involved with their car then of course they can get romantically involved with draco malfoy from the harry potter series he'd be a pretty good one yeah do they identify having a relationship with the character um or is it kind of like a i don't want to say obsession because that's got such negative connotations i think it's like a one-sided different for different people yeah yeah it would be but i yeah i think that's what the asker is saying is like what at what point would this be too much and I guess if it's interfering with your life yeah you took the words Definitely. right out of my mouth absolutely I once had this super vivid dream one of the most vivid dreams I've ever had was like this in like a lifetime long dream it was one of those dreams where you're like living out a life and I was like in a relationship with Hermione from Harry Potter that's <laughs> like Harry Potter references it was, yeah exactly yeah, that's what sparked my memory and it was like it's this cultural really, touchstone really deep relationship with Hermione and when I woke up I was like oh, that wasn't real I was like really kind of heartbroken and crushed for like a whole Aww. day 
That's and like, so funny. I, I, the whole day I was like, that wasn't, that felt so real. I don't know how to, how do I, how do I come back from this? And I was like, how does your real life live up to that expectation? It's just a dream. What age was Hermione and what age were you in the relationship? Um, that's a good, it was Important like post Hogwarts. <gasps> oh, adult. It was, post, it was like, yeah, adult. It was like mm. a proper adult relationship. Was it right. Emma Watson we, Hermione yeah. or was it like your imagination? No, 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 definitely oh. Emma Watson oh, Hermione. Oh, okay. So oh, that MSG. was, yeah, that was really deep. So magical Emma Watson, basically. You know what? I don't think she did any magic. I think she was like, <laughs> I just kind of want to, you know, live a normal yeah. life for a bit, go out with a muggle guy, you know. But if there's something, up. if there's something like this going on, that's not just like one night of a dream. Yeah, then, exactly. And you feel like you're, it's taking over your life and losing control. You can get in touch with Lifeline on thirteen, eleven, fourteen. That's thirteen one 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 four or Beyond Blue at one three hundred two two four six three six. And those are helplines just for anyone who's feeling like they need to talk to someone about how their lives are going and maybe if things aren't going so well. But honestly, if it's not if it's not causing you distress, if it's not damaging your personal relationships with other people, yeah. just go for it. Just like wipe anything, it up. Absolutely. Do yeah. It. Yeah. Honestly, I think that's really cool. I didn't know if that it, was a thing. If it makes you happy for and sure. it doesn't interfere, go for your life. Yeah. Absolutely. We're going to throw to a song now. What song are we throwing to? Radio by Sylvan Esso. Absolute banger. And there's a language warning on that one, so... Tune your little radio or whatever device you're listening to down for three minutes and 32 seconds if, if you, you don't problem. like swears. <laughs> Good evening. You're back with the Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation. You just heard Radio by Sylvan Esso, and that was Secondhand Cart by Kimmy Churchill. Two absolutely beautiful songs. All right. We're going to start off with a little segment about Cruising by CBC. CBC's The Hour, I'm sorry. And then we're going to come back and have a little discussion about sex on premises venues, gay saunas, cruising and queer spaces in general. So listen in and enjoy. Cruising is what two men do in a public place to initiate sex. It's completely anonymous. Rarely would a name be changed. Gay people cruise, but your dad cruises. Married guys cruise. Your grandfather cruises. Uh, very in the closet people cruise. Cruising gets its roots from back in the mid-17th century when homosexuality was so illegal you could die for it. So guys had to find like-minded guys and find a spot uh, to check out each other and uh, then get it on and then get back to their everyday day existence. But these days, uh, public spaces just added the fun, the fun of being caught, and also just the ease of doing it. You don't have to find a room when you've got trees, rocks, bushes, bathrooms. Cruising in a park is a relatively simple dance between fellas. I might just be sitting here minding my own business, and look, there's this guy walking by, and we meet eyes, and mine might lower down to the package, and his would probably lower down to my package. And then he meanders off in that direction over there, but he stops. And then I would get up and just maybe just walk away, you know, just taking my sweet old time. But what he does, and this is very important, is he comes over here and he sits down exactly where I was. And that is how you know that he wants to suck you off. (laughs) Woo, cruising. Wow. All right. I did not know that that was Really? A thing. I think I lots really of people didn't. don't know. That's why it's so exciting. Honestly, I'm so desensitized to it. Like, it's just a thing everyone does. It doesn't surprise me. It really doesn't surprise me that it's a thing. Yeah. That's crazy. So interesting. Now, of course, we are not encouraging you to cruise, but if you are, 
safety is your number one priority. You've oh got to take goodness. care of yourself yes. and of your partner. Always asking about their sexual health is absolutely paramount when cruising. Key. And bring your own supplies. Lube, condoms, dams. Yeah, dental, People use dams, dams, I yeah. think. Be prepared. Yeah. That's our number one takeaway message from this little segment. So, cruising, you guys really had no idea what it is. It's so new to me. <gasps> oh, my yeah. gosh. I first found out about it. When you're a little baby gay and you come out, you hear, like, all these whispers about, like, gay saunas and cruising and, like, sex is just everywhere for gay men because yeah. apparently we want it all the time. <laughs> I mean, God, that's all I'd ever heard. Honestly, yeah. honestly. And then slowly you just start to notice it. You get, you, you get more comfortable with the idea. And then one day... You're pissed, you're out, and then you go to a gay sauna, and you basically just run around being hooligans laughing, and then most of like the serious cruisers like get really angry because you're just like a young <laughs> twink who's not doing anything. They get really mad if you don't do anything in like cruising venues. Yeah, wow. <laughs> and then you leave, and then slowly you just keep on doing it. Well, that was definitely my experience. I'd hate to generalize, but yeah. So I think I should define a few things for you. So we've got beats. Beats are like your public spaces where people meet for cruising. And the rock, the bush, the exactly. trees. The- and let me tell you, there are hundreds in Melbourne. Like, literally, you go to a shopping centre, I can guarantee you there's a beat in that shopping centre. Generally, like, public bathrooms, behind walls, under underpasses, everywhere. Sure. Honestly. And then you've got the smart little gays who worked out, hey, we can, like, profit off this. And they started opening up sex on premises venues and gay saunas, which are basically places you go and fuck. I really want to talk pay about to do that. sex on premises venues, but I, I do have a question about this um, whole thing. Where, like in the clip that we just played, it was talking about like back in the 1700s where you could die for being gay. Like I don't mm-hmm. want to discount the struggle that we still live with now, but yeah. like it's a lot less intense legally to live and be out as gay. Sure. Um, and we have things like Grindr and stuff like that. So why is this still a thing? I guess. I think, well, when Is there a I, thrill to it? Almost? I think so. And, like, it's easier. Like, with Grindr, like, I'm a very anxious person, so I get anxious about having someone over my house or going to their house. If you're in, like, a communal space, mm. you can just show up and yeah. there's no obligation. If you're having a dude over to your house... I kind of feel obliged. It's more intense. Yeah, yeah, you're like, this is a definite thing, where it's like, you can still chicken out, I think, easier if you're in a sauna. Plus, there's a huge pool of people to pick from, or yeah. they can pick you, and there's fun things to do there. I mean, there's like movie theatres, computer lounges, there's cafe and bars, but they only sell like really crap food, like Dagwood what? Dogs, or like Aldi pizzas for like $4. Oh. Like, it's not nice food. Or like, the thing I've always asked is like, why are they doing like milkshakes and like ice cream things? If people are about to have like aggressive anal sex, <laughs> like eating any dairy <laughs> is not a good thing to lactose. be doing. If you're a little bit lactose yeah. sensitive, or generally. So this is within like the sauna atmosphere? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like people... That's so catered. Absolutely. I love that. Honestly. And like, you can have sex anywhere, generally. It's... It's a really bizarre environment. And another little qualm... The world qualm, is your bedroom. Wow. Exactly. Another qualm I have with it is sexual assaults are so prolific in these venues because, one, oh, yeah. people think they're inside. They're like, hey, I can get away with whatever the fuck I want, which is not true at all. But once you're in these venues, I feel like people get a little bit lost and they feel like going through the door, they've consented to be touched or assaulted in whatever way they want. And that's not mm-hmm. the case. And if you are going to use these venues, that's definitely not okay. Your body, your rules still, regardless of what venue you're in. 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Um, and then the other little qualm that we've got with venues or even beats in generally is the drug use that goes on. Um, and of course, the gay community has a reputation of 
using chemsex yeah. and intensive partying. Do you guys know much about that? I know, yeah, I know a little bit about that coming through the 80s and the yeah, 90s yeah. and but a lot of that sort of, yeah. Exactly. Um, so what venues are used for nowadays is, well, this is my theory, and I've done a little bit of research around it, doing like literature reviews and all that boring stuff is, um, I think that people use venues kind of as like safe injecting rooms because they've got the facilities yes. there, they've got clean bathrooms, mm. they've got access to staff to call the ambulance if it so comes to that, they've got food, they've got access to water. So people generally use these venues to inject. And plus, they're a hell of a lot cheaper than a hostel. Mm. Like, a lot of them are like 20 $25. So, like, it's a cheap yeah. night's accommodation. Like, I've definitely used them when I've been traveling and hostels have been booked out. Yeah. Sure. If you or someone you know is struggling with sexual assault, by the way, you can call 1-800-RESPECT. Um, that's 1-800-R-E-S-P-E-C-T, like the Aretha Franklin song. Um, yeah. And can hit that up if there's any experiences that we're describing that are making you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, so uh, something I would just want to touch on real quick. There's like, I guess the hetero equivalent of cruising would be dogging. What is dogging? Is dogging a hetero thing? Dogging is, yeah, a very hetero thing. Really? As far as I understand it, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Um, which is, it's like basically the same thing. It'll be like, oh, there are these locations where you like, you do this certain series of maybe indications on your car or headlight flashes or something. And like, it's a very sort of hetero cruising, essentially. Yeah. Which oh is, my gosh. Yeah. Straight people So what happens? Up. You pull up in this certain car park and you flash your headlights and someone comes over and yeah, knocks on your Yeah. It's window. kind of like just signaling that like you're down for whatever, or, you know, people might gather by a car or in some bushes <gasps> or something. And like often devolves into sort of uh, group stuff or like a whole big scene. Mm. It is still predominantly heterosexual, whether all the members involved are hetero or not is to be, uh, it's not for me to say. To but be confirmed. Yeah. It is a very sort of uh, manny, womany, sissy sort of thing. Uh, um, just to clarify, I think by sissy you meant cisgender? Cis- that's exactly what yeah. I meant. Sounded like the other kind, that's not what I meant. <laughs> yeah. um, and... So there is that equivalent sort of 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 the cruising, dogging, what? anonymous sex thing. I had all these no people idea having that, public that sex. I, yeah. it's exciting, honestly. But I don't think there is like a like a cis hetero sort of version of the gay sauna. No, I know that there is one particular sauna in Melbourne that does do a swingers night. But apart from that. There's not. And they're like, I've yeah. never heard of a lesbian sauna either. Do you just think there's no demand for that? I, yeah, I don't, look, I'm not a lesbian. I can't speak to that no. in particular. And I do know of some sort of like swingery events, but are so yeah. anti-straight male and very, you know, accepting of if you're a straight mm. female, if you're bi-female, any of that other sort of stuff. But if you're straight male, then obviously you're desperate for sex or whatever yeah. like the stigma is that you're yeah really they don't let in like single males like you've got to be in Absolutely. a partnership right partner or uh, just a female on your own yeah um, you guys can't see this but Carlin's doing air quotes when he says desperate for sex yeah um, <laughs> that's, that's not very <laughs> because we don't want to we don't want to put any ju- judgment on anyone who no. might want to or doesn't want to get involved with this kind of thing but no, that's absolutely not but really yeah interesting um, yeah mm. it is yeah Honestly. Um, but yeah, I think these venues are very important and they do fill a gap in the market of sorts because I yeah. think if people are going to these venues where they have access to like free lube and condoms and to a watchful eye, I guess, 
of the staff, then I, I loved your your likening your parallels to the clean injecting room because yeah. I think that's really important. Yeah, exactly. And this is not to give you it's like, like a, a safety thing. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And like, don't take that away. Being like, oh my god, sex on premises venues—they're just like people injecting everywhere because it's not like that. Um, generally, you pop in for an hour or so, pop out on your lunch break, and then go on with your day. You do. It's think? a very casual event. And, like, I want to point out as well, um, I came across this statistic during the week that 40% of people visit these venues as a social event and will not go home disappointed if they do not have sex. How interesting is that? That is very interesting. I love yeah, that. Yeah. I think that's cool. People are just there for a chat they and just a coffee. Just the Aldi pizza. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Aldi pizza. The corn dogs. <laughs> Honestly. So funny. That's fantastic. That's yeah. so exciting. Cruising. Very interesting topic. Would you guys ever want to participate in it? Yes. Yeah. I think the, the very short answer to that is, yeah, it seems so <gasps> exciting to me. So I exciting. love this. You've just got to know the times of the day. Um, and, like, there, yeah. is, there are websites out there that are huge forums that you're able to, like, monitor and people, like, post on there being like, hey, anyone around 12 p.m., horny dude, wants to get sucked Sure, off. a bit like Craigslist is sort of. Craig's yeah, like Craigslist. And, raves, um. and honestly, like, check it out for a lull because there are just so many. And then when you're walking around the city with your friend, you can be like, hey, that's a beat. <laughs> That's a beat, you know? Honestly, yes. I'm always so amazed at how many there are around. I adore that. I think um, bisexual, non-binary person cruising is just sitting at home on Friday night at 9pm on OkCupid, but um, that's just my experience. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not as adventurous as the rest of you guys. No, but, um, just not yet. You haven't yeah. been desensitized to the whole public sex thing yet, but <laughs> don't worry. I've only totally. done it once. Um, are, we, are we good for this? Are we going to yeah. play a song? Let's jump to a song. This is Chasing by the wonderfully queer Cub Sport. Please enjoy. Oh. Hi, you're back with the Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation. You Hello. just heard Chasing by Cub Sport, and that was Better Slash Bitter by the beautiful Jess Locke. Oh, she's amazing. She's amazing. I love love her, like, candid song lyrics. They're so rad. All right, we're going to jump into some Tumblr cues. So if you have any that are popping into your brain, ATM, you can ask us at thenaughtyrude.tumblr.com slash ask. Brain ATM. Sounds like an amazing thing. Yeah, pay up. (laughs) Pay up. (laughs) Ching, 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 ching. Pay out your questions. We need it. We do need it. Feed us. All right. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. All right. In your guy's opinion, what are the telltale signs you should break up with someone? If you're unsure about the validity of those signs, who should you go to to make sure your choice is right? Whoa. Whoa. Okay, so hang on. If you're not... if If you feel like there's signs coming up that you should break up with someone and you're not sure if they're valid... Where is that coming from? Is that coming from you or is that coming from them? Because if it's coming from them, that's a problem. If you're saying, hmm, I don't know, I think we should break up, and they would be like, why? Everything's fine. That is something to really consider. Yeah. Mm. I think if, you, if you're if unsure of the validity of it, it can just be like, uh, I'm not so sure of these things myself. Like, it's obviously like you're doubting yourself and your own abilities. Yeah, you to- are, aren't you? To sort of see these things out, but that's not necessarily a red flag that you can't understand the validity of things, because that's just sort of... A lot of these times accepting that you don't know, especially if this relationship is, like, a new thing. 
um, or whatever. It's not a place that you've been in before. It's definitely reasonable to outsource the validity of things to friends and family because if it's not a position you've been in and you're like, well, I've got I've got no idea. I'm no no font of knowledge on this. Then yeah. I don't think there's yeah. necessarily any reason why you can't outsource that. Yeah. If you're just not happy in a relationship, that's enough. You don't need a sign. Yeah, that's true. 100%. Mm. Right? Absolutely. Like, I've broken up with people for the most stupid reasons. Like, they snore, their voices are too loud, I didn't like what cologne they wore. Like, just stupid that's things. Major, but the like cologne one, but... Whatever. Like, it was obviously other reasons, Carlin. Yeah, and that well. was just me using a little scapegoat to get out of the awful <laughs> relationship. But honestly, you don't need a reason. And if there are multiple reasons, yeah. that's a pretty... That's something to consider in itself. Like, even if they're all false and you're making them all up and it's all in your head, the fact that there are multiple reasons there is, like, you know, your brain is trying to tell you something. Yeah. Yeah. They may never go away. Yeah. Yeah. It's not really ever worth pushing through your own gut feelings when it comes to that stuff because... That's true. I've done it before and it's ended really, really badly. So that's just my opinion. Oh, yeah. You know when you know. And the other part of that question was, who should you go to to make sure your choice is right? Uh, I feel like anybody that has had a long-standing relationship, whether or not they're still in that relationship, yeah. anybody that's sort of been in that position before. Mm. True. I, w- I, w- I would think, like, someone who knows you as a single person and knows you as a couple in the relationship, oh, yeah. so they can, like, kind of be like, hey, you're going a bit off. Yeah, like course, someone that you maybe. were friends with before yeah. you got with this person or someone who's known you for a long time. And also, like... it. For me, I don't know if it's hard for you guys, but for me, it's not hard to just think, who do I trust the most? And I can kind of make mm. a little list in my head of, like, if I had a problem, I would go to these, these, these people. Like, these are the people that I trust to not judge me when I come to them with something like this. And obviously, we need to be trustworthy as well, <laughs> answering this question. But it's See? just like, if there's someone you need to talk in depth about it, like, just think, who is my best friend? Who do I trust the most? Yeah. It could be your parents. You for know? sure. Also, seeing like a counselor would be another fantastic thing to do as well. And That's true. like they would be able to help you work through um, your thought processes and see where those thoughts are coming from as well. Mm. All right, let's jump to another question. Sure. I'm a little bit sexually confused. I identify as bisexual, but I seem to lean towards a certain gender. Is that okay? Sometimes it fluctuates too. Is it okay to feel like your gender leanings are more on a spectrum than set in stone? What a fantastic question oh on Bi Visibility Week. Oh my goodness. Happy Bi Visibility Week. It's like you week. knew, Asuka, isn't it? Yeah. That's like d- definition, like, yes. You right. Can, you can do whatever you want. That's our resident bisexual, Carlin speaking. Thank you very much. Resident bisexual number two. <laughs> sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> Chiming in, I'm just going to say, um, also, it's not 50-50 as well. No, like, I'm no mostly, way. I'm mostly attracted to women. Um, obviously, it goes beyond sort of a gender binary for me as well. Like, I'm mostly attracted to women and non-binary people. I'm hardly Mm. ever attracted to men, and I still Mm. identify as bisexual and have for a really long time. So it's one of those things where it's like, if you have the capacity to be attracted to two or more genders, you're bisexual. There's no percentage to which you have to be. You can be a woman who's 90% attracted to men and only likes one, you know, like only you know, is attracted to one, one out of person. every thousand women. Or, yeah, like, one woman in your entire life yeah. and still identify as bisexual. Or, yeah, like, or not even one real person that you meet, just, like, celebrities and stuff. Like, it's just, it's yeah, totally absolutely. up to you. It's totally fluid. It can be anything. For sure. Yeah. That's, like, how the little binary, again, like, infiltrates us queerness, making us always want to fit a box, right? Mm. Oh, 100%. There's only ever two options. And that's not the case, right? 
Yeah, it's like you have to be 50% gay and 50% yeah. straight. No. Nah. Stuff that. Right. The, the spectrum comment was, that's, that's spot on. At any point in that spectrum, you want to identify, that's fine. If you want to identify, it's one thing one time, one thing the next day, one thing the next minute. Go for your life. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Was that two or three questions? That, that was two. two. We've oh got one more to go. Gosh. One more. And this one is going to be a doozy. I'm a lesbian, but my girlfriend wants to experiment and have a threesome with a guy. I'm just a bit curious about it, just to have the experience knowing what it's like, but I'm not sure. Should I go for it? Threesomes. Ooh. Yeah. Threesomes. threesomes. As Perfect. in three people <laughs> having sex. Doing it in all the holes. In Or, or none of the holes. Or none. Yep. <laughs> sex is how you define it. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, well, wow. I, I haven't had a threesome, so I have no idea. But I was in this situation once with a partner where he wanted to have a threesome, um, and he wasn't a particularly social bean. He just um, his favorite thing to do was kind of hang out at the house all day and play video games after work. Sure, this is happy happy place, and I accepted that. I loved that about him. But it was um, he brought up the idea that one of the things that he would really really love to try is to have a threesome with another woman. Um, cause at the time I identified as a woman and I was like, sure, um, two things. It can't be anyone that you've had sex with before and it can't be anyone that we know. Like you have to go <gasps> yeah, and find there's, there's some good stipulations. You have to go and find someone cause I don't want it to be one of our mates and then it gets awkward. Um, although there are plenty and plenty of situations where, you know, that does happen, but it was a paranoia I had at the time, not necessarily a reality of what was going to inevitably happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never happened because he never went out and it, he was, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't understand how he got me. He was not very good at dating and finding people to talk to. So he just didn't and was, you know, he didn't, I, I don't think he tried very hard either, but it was one of those things where it was just like, I kind of knew in the back of my mind, if I set this parameter, then you're not going to be able to find someone and I'll be safe from this threesome Ooh. threat that I didn't really, I wasn't really super keen yeah, do you think yeah. you would have? I was said too no monog. I was too monogamous had... oh. at the time. I was like, I didn't want to share. I, w- I was feeling really insecure in that yeah. relationship. Yeah. See, I had a on that comment of not someone that you know. I would like prefer it to be somebody that I knew because it would be someone that you trusted. Because somebody that I trusted, somebody that I felt safe with, somebody that I liked, you know. Um, and sex isn't always like a super emotional carries over into other parts of my life sort of thing you know what I mean mm. it's, it's that safety of the thing and I guess to better address this question um, yeah I don't know if it's somebody that you know yeah maybe if it's someone that you don't know I would say go for it that's my mm. bottom line I would say if it's something you want to experiment with yeah it's an interesting question I guess it, it always comes down to personal preference and I guess if you're I don't know maybe for lack of a better term shopping around for a third like don't treat them like an object and actually treat them as a human being and get to know them. And, yeah. You yeah. know? Don't just assume just because Cause they if you get they're to, keen. If you get to know them as well, then if it goes well, Yay. then it's like you're friends and it can happen again in the future. And it's like you all know each other, you're all comfortable. Exactly. It's a groovy thing. But mm. I feel like the question is, at its core, going back to, I guess, a little bit bisexuality and, and the spectrum and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's... I, like part of the question is, sh- I've not, I haven't had sex with a man, mm. and I don't know if I want this. Ah, uh, sure. Uh-huh. 
And that's interesting because I don't think any of us are lesbians um, and certainly not gold star ones. Um, Negative. <laughs> so I, I don't... like. So broaden it out to maybe, I guess, um, if there was a gender that you're not sure that you would want... I, I, like, you wouldn't want to have sex with someone who identifies with that gender or you're not sure if that would be your thing, would you go for it anyway? No, I wouldn't. Mm. I don't want to have sex with a woman. At all. I can't speak I to this because I'm very bi. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it all just makes sense to me. I'm like... True. Like, I, I haven't had sex with a man before, but yes, mm. absolutely, I would. Yeah. I think you have to be, like, a good balance of curious and comfortable. So, like, Joseph, you're not curious. Nah. Nah. And <laughs> <laughs> this asker may... I have fingered two women, thank you very much. Oh so I goodness. have dabbled. Wow. But yeah, you, I... that is like literally the definition of dabbling. That's, mm, that's honestly. just dipping into Click the water. Click the mouth. Um, didn't like oh it. Oh my goodness. So yeah. Um, but I think I think Can if you're not if you're not sure, then yeah, be be curious and be comfortable. If you're not curious, hmm. then don't and don't do be afraid it. to be and like, nah, I'm not doing that. And yeah. If, yeah, if you're not comfortable, then don't do it. Yeah, but exactly. Be both of those things. Don't. And you can make it happen, and then when it comes time, like, you're there in the moment, you can still be like, no. And then walk away from the situation, you know what I mean? You can enter into that situation and then still leave. Absolutely, Carlin. Love that. So, yeah. You're so right. My gosh. I think we nailed that one. Beautiful. Yeah, also... I hope we helped. Also, my experience with threesomes is very limited, but if you're a couple... Don't leave the third out when you're, like, having small chat after sex. It's like, oh, what are we going to cook for dinner tomorrow night? And you're just, like, hanging out as the third. Like, yeah, cool, I'm going to book my Uber now. It's awful. It's yeah, really awful. And you feel so rude. alienated. Yeah. And just, like, There's a real person, personal yeah. element to that person. Again, with the relationship with that, the, just the general rapport with that person. Exactly. It's so important. Like a sex friend. You if, know, you yeah, can't leave them out. Yeah, if the two of you are more intimate with each other, it's your job to take care of the third person. Absolutely. Yeah. Just be good hosts. Good yeah. host, yeah, hospitality, yeah. that's what's about. Yeah. Yay! All right, we're going to throw to the Pet Shop Boys' It's a Sin, which is going to be a fantastic song about all, all the things sinful. Love it. And that was Good Boys by Blondie. You're listening to the Naughty Rude Show on Sin Nation. I'm Jay, and I'm here with Carlin and Joseph. We're talking about bi-visibility, um, because Woo. it's Bisexual Awareness Week, so please be aware that we are bisexual. Today I got yelled at because I said it's Bisexuality Week, and they're like, no, it's only a day, they don't get a week. Well, uh, it was bi- Bi-Awareness uh, Week, Bi-Visibility Day. The day was yesterday, yesterday on the 23rd of September, Yeah, um, which is Gigi Raven-Wilbur's birthday, just because Gigi Raven-Wilbur is a US activist, bisexual activist. Um, who, together with Michael Page and Wendy Curry, um, put together basically the idea of Biovisibility Today, um, Biovisibility Day, and they put they put it in September because they thought uh, Freddie Mercury's birthday is in September, and he's like the most famous bi of them all. So what a lovely man! Yeah, yeah. So if you didn't know Freddie Mercury was bi, then I didn't. You know, R.I.P. Yeah, it's and it's very really nice weather in it September is the most too. Bi. So um, it's always time good for a party. <laughs> it is here, isn't it? What I think on the in the northern hemisphere it's different. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure we have loads of northern <laughs> hemisphere listeners. But yeah, visibility, Colin, are you bi? Sure, I am. Oh, Love Colin it. is here. I can bi. see him. I don't, you guys can't, but I can. He's very visible. I'm pretty visible. When did you come out? Uh, or all right, this is a long story. Maybe 
I don't know. You can Give edit it a crack. It. You can edit it down, Aaron, if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so I came out to one of my f- classmates, my best friend at the time, when I was in year eight, <gasps> I think. Yeah. I think I was in year eight. Uh, it was like metal shop or something. <gasps> and like, I, I, I was just like, I, I think I'm bi. And he's like, okie dokie. And then immediately followed that with, but you still like women more, right? And I was like, oh, "Oh my goodness, this isn't going to end well. And so I was very, very Mm. closeted for a very long time. And, you know, later in high school, I like that was basically the be all and end all. Oh, no, actually, he came back to me at one point. And I'm sorry if you're listening, but he came back to me at one point and was like, my mom says everybody goes through a bi phase. <gasps> yeah, the big, the big bi phase. The big old thing, phase. Yeah. How yeah. long was that after the initial metal shop outing? Uh, maybe a month. Whoa. Yeah, it wasn't long. It was, it was pretty. It's sure. bizarre that he's been thinking about it for that long. Yeah, I, mean, I guess so. That's a good point. Well, he was my best friend. Oh, of okay. Probably. And he told his mom a decade at that point. Okay. We've you been- still tell your mom stuff at that age. Right, like yeah, if it's sure. con- oh. if it's confusing. Look, that's fine. Like yeah. that's fine. I don't mind that mates? he did it, and that's all good. Yeah, yeah, still oh, really, really good friends. Oh, that's that's got a happy um, ending. I'm really <laughs> yeah, I guess I'm so. Really sure, by that. but um, I mean, that's after that month when he came back and said it's just a by phase, and you know, it was sort of that was the end of it for a very long time, and you know, I sort of erased it from my own mind, even a little bit. You know, oh. I was like maybe. I'm not, because I just had mostly crushes on girls. There was no guys that I found very attractive. It was never really a big thing. And everybody gave a lot of attention to the, you know, two gay people in my year level. And that was, like, a big thing. And there like was negative no... negative attention? No, not negative attention. Just, like, that really positive, oh, you're, you're gay and that's, like, different, but that's cool and we're cool with that. Uh-huh. Um, and, like, that's fine. Um, oh. That's so interesting. Yeah, um... Can I, I've got a question that I often get asked as a gay dude. Yes, sure. It's like, when did you know? Like, is there a definitive moment? Mm. Wow. Um, not that goes me. into your memory? I not, can only not for speak me. about my own experience, but I, for me, I feel like being bi is a lot of getting out of the closet and then getting back in it. Uh-huh. Um, or for me, I kind of came out and went back in the closet several times. Um, and I think when I was, yeah, around the same age as Cullen, you know, you're having that sort of puberty, first puberty sexual awakening and I went when I was 13 or whenever I was like oh you know I think I'm also into into girls into this or I may you know like I don't think I'm exclusively attracted to to guys um and because at that age guys boys are really gross um like in year eight year nine they're just disgust like oh man the acne and everything and and girls are just beautiful and smell good all the time and like they Don't always they. have new smells because they're really exploring do. like cosmetics and things it's really Whereas exciting. boys just wear like lynx africa uh, oh my god i still Ew. wear lynx africa because no, i'm don't, gross babe. i do i'm oh, disgusting <laughs> any perspirant um but anyway so and and i kind of did that and then i kind of told maybe one or two people and they were like um, there was a lot of this idea that I was doing it as like a, a thing to like seem cool to guys or to turn guys on. Mm. And ah! yeah, yeah. And, and yep. so, and then I cut my hair really short when I was 15 <gasps> and I started copying a lot of homophobic abuse for, you know, like words that I'm not going to say on air, but like um, a lot of like slurs that are generally used against lesbians. And I was like, 
oh, this is a bad thing. So I went back in the closet and I was like, I'm straight, I'm straight, I'm straight for like four years. And then I did the, I, I came out the right way, which is to move to a new city where no one knows you and then live as out as if nothing had ever happened. And yeah. this was <gasps> always who you were um, instead of coming out in a small country town in Queensland, which I think you did, Joseph. Yeah, I did. Rock and roll. I did. It was awful. <laughs> you, it was awful, awful, You legend. Awful. I could not, I could not have copped that. I don't think... Yeah, it's hard. Or, or for what I did cop was just I think I think what you did is incredibly brave. Like, you yeah. had, like, no template of what you were as a queer person. And, like, as soon as you stepped off that plane, you're like, yo, this is the new me. And, like, you just had to make it all up as you go. Whereas, like, I had, like, weird little ideas. I was, like, planning my identity, my Melbourne identity It was a rust a red time. Volkswagen Golf convertible. <gasps> Not a... Yeah! It was very wow. sexy. Um, and <laughs> I got a ride share with two American medical <gasps> students <laughs> into Melbourne. It. Yeah, from Sydney. What a way to rock yeah. in. Aren't we glad you did, though? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> We're going to talk about, I think, some myths, I guess, that we've experienced, like, just off the back of that. Sure. Um, so, bi people are promiscuous. That's... Uh, anybody could be promiscuous. Yeah, have to it's be not, bi to be it's promiscuous. not limited to us. Or... Inverse to that, just because you buy it doesn't mean you're promiscuous. Are you promiscuous? Yes. I'm a bit promiscuous. I'm Look, d- we're not the best model for non-promiscuous bi people, but I think I think it's perfectly fine. My pr- promiscuity is absolutely adjacent to me being bi, though. It's yeah. Just really? Just, parallel? Yeah, I'd say parallel, yeah. Okay. If, I don't I understand think if shapes. I w- if, I w- if I wasn't bi, I'd probably be just as promiscuous, I guarantee it. Mm. Yeah, I guess... You can be bi-romantic as well. So you can be, like, asexual Ooh. and then not want to have sex with anyone or have a very limited sort of sexual life but also be attracted to multiple genders. Oh, mm. We should also probably say that um, when we're saying that we identify as bi, it doesn't necessarily mean just men and women. No, definitely um, Obviously, not. I'm not a man or a woman. I'm non-binary and I'm attracted to other non-binary people as well as men, women people who identify as not having a gender, all kinds of stuff. I'm all over the place. Absolutely, yeah. It's two or more genders. You know, it can be just men and women, and that's fine. But, you know, it could be everything outside of that and in between that. Yeah. In my case and in Jay's case. Hmm. Yeah, and if you think about it, I don't know, the gender binary is kind of boring. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It is very boring. um, It's easy to navigate for a lot of people. Speaking of boring, monogamy. Bi people are not only promiscuous, they can't have monogamous relationships. Now, here's (gasps) a really interesting thing that I want to, that I just had this little brainwave before that I I think I woke up this morning and I was thinking this, and this is kind of to do with the, the marriage thing. And that was, if I was to get married to a man later down the road, I'm, and, you know, I get kind of really annoyed when people call the whole marriage equality thing gay marriage. Mm. Ugh, gross term. Yeah, absolutely. And so many people say it, and I hear it all the time, and I'm like, that's very... Dis-. Because if I was to get married to a man, and somebody would be like, oh, it's a gay wedding. This you is got lovely. gay and married. Yeah, you got gay married. You're going to get or gay like, divorced. Oh, I'm going to a gay marriage. And I'd be like, it's not a gay wedding, though. I'm not... But then does that disengage with people be like, well, you ended up with a man, so you ended up being gay. Like, <gasps> you can't... Yeah! You know what I mean? Like, you, yeah. that's how you ended up and, you know, the bisexual, without ending up in some sort of polyamorous <gasps> marriage with a man and a woman, does that then, would people be like, well, he ended up that gay, obviously. That is so messed up. Yeah, right? It's the same oh as, God. I think there's a lot of people out there who get straight married, um, who yeah. are bisexual. I think yeah, right, absolutely. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, exactly I, I read something a while, 
quite a while ago, so don't quote me on this, but the majority of um, bisexual people end up in heterosexual-looking relationships, so relationships between sure. um, two binary genders, male and female. Um, like, yeah, they end up in these male-female relationships because, honestly, there's just so many more straight people. And if you are bisexual, you usually have the option of, depending on how you identify, you usually have the option of dating straight people. So you just end yeah, up going with the flow. Absolutely. And that's why people see see it as like, oh, well, you know, you can already get married, so why would you care about marriage equality? Like, yeah, even though you're exactly. alive and fully functioning queer, it's like, oh, but you have this extra little bit of, you know, access or whatever. And that's not necessarily true for me. Well, yeah, here's, a, here's a interesting, because my girlfriend is also bisexual like we're we're in essence a, a straight looking couple but we're both very bi people yeah so we've got each other for support and talk to each other about that sort of stuff but it is interesting being like well we're definitely not hetero but it's a very hetero looking relationship but then if you two queers go to a gay bar yeah. and start making out with each other being queer in a queer space yeah. people are like get these straights out of here yeah, mm. absolutely. I, felt I have really been guilty of that. I was at the MSU Queer <laughs> so Ball have I. the other night at the Queer Ball, and I was like, I felt weird about kissing my girlfriend because I'm like, this is a Queer Ball. This is, mm. People might think we're straight. This is a ah, weird, weird yeah. little Who thing. <laughs> no, I gave him very quickly and kissed her hard. But oh, I love that. Yeah, no, no one wants to be you. straight. No one. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it is kind of like a code switching thing, and it's just like if you're doing something that's not obviously queer in one of those spaces. It's yeah, just like, oh, I feel like oh. I need to wear a badge or something. <laughs> Hi, yeah. I'm bi. Hi, I'm yeah. bi. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm bi. I'm not on the fence. Yeah, yeah. I, I know what's going on. Yeah. Um, myth. Is there any other myths to round out this little myth? I have one. Sure. How closely intertwined is pansexuality and bisexuality? That's a very good question. I get in trouble for this a little bit um, because I think I think it's fine for anyone who wants to, to identify as pansexual, but I also think that as a phrase, the history of it is that it grew out of this idea that bisexuality means men and women and it doesn't include non-binary genders. Yeah. And so the idea of pansexuality was, well, I can be attracted to all genders, not just two. Mm. Um, and therefore, it in my mind, one-upping. it's a bit redundant. But it's I have many you know, beloved people in my life who identify as pansexual and I'm never going to shame any individual person for identifying that way. I just think bisexuality covers the meaning of pansexuality quite well and so yeah. I've never, you know... And, and yeah, I get in trouble for saying that sometimes. I think we're going to throw forward to this song, Killer Queen, because Freddie ah. Mercury is a massive bisexual person and you should know all about that. Um, by Queen, obviously. Wondrous man. Welcome back, everybody, to the Naughty Rude Show with Joseph J. Carlin. How you doing, everybody? I'm feeling pretty good. We're getting to the end of the show. We're going to do one more Tumblr question. Have you got that one on lock, Joseph? Yeah, this one just came in in the nick of time, thank God. And it's a very relevant one, I think. Okay. Here it is. I'm not comfortable putting things in my bum yet. Am I still sexually active if I just blow and rim? Or am I going to be a virgin forever if I can't get used to putting a penis in my bum? Um, mm. Just for the listeners, um, maybe we should define blow and rim in yeah, sex ed class idea. terms. For sure. Um, so, blowing, I'm assuming, is referring to blowjobs, which is oral sex, performed Suck usually on dick. a penis. Suck and dick. Sex ed class terms. Um, well done. <laughs> <laughs> and, and rimming is... Eating out an ass? Oh, wait, sorry, sex ed classes. Um 
using your mouth to lick and suck and do other things to someone's... Stimulate an anus. Stimulate an anus. Analingus. Analingus. Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a, actual, that's a real thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So is it okay to just do these things? That's sex. That's what sex is. Honestly, I was, was going to say, that's, yeah. that's a sex thing. Oral sex. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, that's exactly. a, it's in the name. Um, is, it a, is it penetrative sex a prerequisite? No. No. To be... Otherwise, maybe some lesbians never, ever had sex, and that's so not true. Yeah. That's, I uh, get that really is, mad yeah, about this. I do. Mm-hmm. I know. I've, I've, I've had some words with people about this as well. Yeah. People you had don't... to Google the definition of sex, and I'm like, that's not really what it is. Thanks for looking up Oxford's 1800s <laughs> definition of what sex is. There's no hole in your body that a penis has to go into for you to not be a virgin anymore. Mm. It's a virginity is a pretty well, virginity is such a loose social construct. Absolutely, it's mm. not a r- yeah. real thing. To be perfectly frank, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, like I define sex as like any like prolonged time, like pleasuring someone else sure yeah. that's that's like my definition of what sex is is would that extend to like catting for someone's golf game you know oh maybe not <laughs> no like maybe maybe like some genitals involved but maybe not always yeah well no, i, tr- I tried always. to define it as a genitals based thing but i yeah I, I don't think it i mean in a lot of cases yeah sure but i think in a lot of other cases yeah if but like giving a hand job in a bathroom for like three minutes i wouldn't count that as sex but some people I, might. some people would yeah exactly it's sexual activity i yeah. guess it's like that whole tension between like something is sexual and something is sexual intercourse and Exactly. You don't. You can kind of refer to both of them as sex. Yeah. You know, there's no real. Oh, this is a deep conversation, guys. We could get stuck here for hours. Honestly. Um. We really so could. we've got a little preview coming up of next week's show, which is really exciting. I did um, an interview with the wonderful Jane Green from Vixen Collective, and just on the theme of today's show and going out with a bang on bi visibility, I'm going to play a little clip from them about coming out. Being out. Um, because I haven't always been out as a sex worker. Um, that was an interesting process for me. I mean, I, I always say that the first 10 years I was working, I was so in the closet, both as a sex worker and um, as a queer person, um, that I was out the back of the closet in the Narnia. Uh, but I made a decision, I think it was uh, 2003, um, that I wanted to be out about who I was um, about being queer, about being a sex worker, and that people in my life were either going to have to accept it or move on. And look, I, I, I lost friends. I had people that walked away and never spoke to me again. But the people that stayed were the people that supported me, and that's what matters. Um, so it's, it's not a choice that I would suggest everyone make because it, it certainly was a painful choice, and I've got family members that um, on both sides don't like the queer thing and don't like the sex worker thing often the sex worker thing bothers them more um but my life is better because i know the people that are in it support me for who i am and that was the amazing jane green from vixen collective we're going to hear more from them on next week's show where we're going to be talking about sex work it's very exciting um so tune in for that at 8 p.m next sunday uh, now, I guess we're pretty much done here, but do you guys have any sort of like main takeaway or thought from today's show? We went to a lot of different areas. What did, what did we learn? Hmm. I've got one. This yeah. is like my number one thing ever is, that did not make sense, but here it goes. It is never too late 
to pull out of having sex with someone or to say no or to change your mind. You can always do that whenever. And that's a super brave thing to do. And you should not be scared of doing that. Absolutely. 100%. Consent is moment to moment. You're not making a contract with anyone. Exactly. You owe them nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Don't do what you don't want to do. That is a great message. Carlin, did you? My... I think my overall takeaway is don't think that anything necessarily qualifies you as anything one way or the other. If you want to express yourself as one thing, then you express yourself as that thing. You know, nothing qualifies you as bisexual unless you define yourself as bisexual. Mm. I'm going to plagiarize myself and just say that be curious and comfortable thing again. If you're trying something new or you're not sure or something's happening in your life that you're not entirely you know okay with just be curious be comfortable if you're not those things then step back hold back i love that (laughs) we're gonna go out with such a nice song i really like how last week we ended with a really upbeat song and this week we're doing it again this is exactly how you are by ballpark music fantastic love them see ya you can listen to the naughty rude show live 8 to 10 p.m every sunday on sin nation so 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 scandalous